Welcome to Hey Brew. You want to try that again? Welcome to Hey Brew, the show about beer and storytelling. Each week we take a beer and we tell a sometimes tangentially related story or info about it. My name's Elliot. And I'm Mike. And this is uh, episode seven. Pretty yes. exciting stuff. Yeah. Winter has hit going. Melbourne and well, it's beautifully sunny outside and I yeah. didn't really know where I was going with that one. Yeah. So I was just trying to give context around life and I was looking out the window as I did it. Yeah, blue sky, sun. Yeah, winter. Yeah, it's, it's a here. cracking day too. Yeah, honestly, I'm uh, nice and toasty in yeah. here. So I think uh, the best thing for us to do is to be drink some beers and sink it and drink it in. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Mike, how's your week? What have you been up to? Um, it's been alright. Uh, I had a weird issue with my car um, recently, where I found a rat hiding out in the engine bay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we haven't actually talked I was like, about oh, no, this what's in person to your car? yet. No, yeah, no, of course. Um, I think it must have like snuck into my garage a few days before I found it, and then. It, like, I saw it like run under the car and I was like, where's it going to go? Like it's under the car. There's, it's not our way. Suddenly the car starts. Oh no. No, but then I just like opened uh, the bonnet and I was like, oh, it's just hiding in there behind the engine. And I've got like this thing, it's basically like a compressed air gun that I use for cleaning out my PC. Mm. Um, and I tried to use that to like get it out with the noise and, you know, the disturbance of the air. And it just like kept just moving around the different parts of the engine. I was like, well, this can't be good. Um, and I also noticed when I opened the bonnet that the foam insulation on the underside of the bonnet had been eaten away at. Um, for, for a little bit of context here, by the way, Mike drives a very nice car and it's very new. So yeah, that's quite irritating. It, it was, the yeah, well, it was also just like I got a little bit anxious because like maybe it's chewed through some wires in the engine bay and who knows what it's done down there. I like the idea that instead uh, your car is being powered by the rat and in a little wheel. And he's just got yeah. monstrous power. I was going to say, I'd need a lot more rats. Um, <laughs> I mean, I did the calculations and you'd need uh, 6,000. No, I have no idea. No. But what's um, rat power compared to horsepower? Uh, I don't I don't know. How, I many, how, many, how many rats make up a horse? It's a Sunday afternoon. I can't do this kind of math. God damn it. Um, but yeah, I don't so, feel like your commitment to the so, so they ended up being like, oh, I'm going to take the car to the mechanic. It was like 148 bucks to replace the foam thing under the hood. And then they also just like... Checked out the rest of the engine bay basically for free. So yeah, it was good of them. That was all right. One hundred forty dollars isn't too bad, realistically. Yeah, and it was more. It was more. I'm willing to pay that for my peace of mind. I don't, I don't want to be driving it later on and be like, oh, it had actually chewed through this hose that is super important to the engine. Yeah, something like brakes. Yeah, mm, delightful. Yeah. So I'm guessing rat proofing isn't part of the warranty. No, no. Mm. Strangely enough, you really not. thought they would have thought of that. Yeah. Mm. Oh well. Um, but other than that, that's. Oh uh, I mean, yeah, that is a pretty interesting, exciting story. Yeah. If you're like us and find that sort of stuff interesting or exciting, was, I suppose it was more that like I found it. I think I'd like got done editing the last episode we recorded, and then found it at like six or something in the evening, and then gave up at about eight thirty because I realised I needed to eat something. And then went back down there and then I found it and got rid of it um, at that point. But then I was up until like 1am trying to get rid of it. Like it took me a while to really deal with it properly. Context. Two pieces of context. A couple of recording sessions ago, I came back and Mike had just created a brand new sort of server Ethernet network thing in his house. I don't know. He's more technical than I am, as we've discussed. Um, (laughs) And it just wasn't working. And we spent probably the best part of two hours with Mike troubleshooting. And then he was just like, you know what? Fuck this. Let's go drink. Well, it, it was, was great. <laughs> I would say it was probably more like half an hour where I gave it a good crack. And then I was like, wait, I don't actually need this for us to record the podcast. So let's just go do that instead. Certainly felt like two hours. Yeah, it might have been <laughs> for you. Um, 
But the second piece of context was that when Mike said he got rid of the rat, what actually happened is he flattened it with a spade and it was pretty, <laughs> but it was particularly bloody. There is still a big like splat on no, his garage let, floor. I, I can't let that yeah. go on the record. That's not well, what happened You can't all. just not let it go on the record because you did it and you were ashamed. No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so right, that may not have happened. No, to set the record straight, I went down there. <laughs> I flattened it with a broom. Yeah, <laughs> it was really difficult. Um, I'd like, no, I'd cut up some cheese and I went down there to try and Fuck like, off. lure it out. No, seriously. <laughs> you actually used cheese. Yeah, I tried it, but. Peanut butter for the breakfast. But I ended up not needing it. I ended up eating the cheese. Yeah, I did. Because I didn't need it to get the rat. Because Just like I went down there. <laughs> I don't even remember what it was. Um, but I went down there, ready with this plate of cheese that I cut up. And then <laughs> some crackers and quince paste. I mean, Sorry, I, I just really amused yeah. that you thought like they do like cheese. They do. I'm pretty what sure it's want? just in cartoons. Uh, peanut butter is apparently really good for catching mice yeah, and no, rats. But no, like, I, I double checked the cheese thing before I did it. Believe me, because I also had <laughs> peanut butter. I was prepared. Do, uh, do rats really eat cheese? Dot com. That might be a website. Do rats really eat dot cheese? I don't think that's a TLD. Damn. Anyway, um, so yeah, went down with the cheese and then I just, I saw some movement in one of the cardboard boxes I've yet to unpack from moving and then realized the cheese box. Yeah. But then I like took the stuff off the top of the box and realized it had no way of getting out of the box. So I just closed the box, carried it outside and let it go. Threw it into the nearest passing car. Uh, no, well, I don't know what happened to it, but it definitely ran off out there somewhere. Fair enough. So you don't yeah. anticipate that it's going to come back? Uh, I haven't seen it since. And it's been Fair. it's been a couple of weeks yeah, now. Yeah, that's right. You're yeah. not going to lay down any traps or anything for it. Uh, no. You're a I, peaceful man. Yeah, I, d- I didn't want to do anything. I didn't need to. I'd be I'd be sitting in the dark with a with a slingshot. Oh, I mean, I sat there for a bit, just like fucking furious about the whole situation. But it's yeah, over. I'd be that. It's too. over now. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Well, this is at like a level of adventure we've brought to the podcast yeah. here that I'm really into. How's how, how have you been uh, compared to that? <laughs> I, mean, I just bought a new car. So yeah, you did. It's a very car-heavy podcast today. Yeah. We'll change that up. Uh, I'm excited about that. What mm-hmm. else have been up to? Work's just been insane mm-hmm. and like absolutely insane. But then I went deaf in my left well, ear. Yeah, and it's then like I got a head cold. Yeah, it's the end then, of financial year, I guess, for you guys. Yeah. So what I'd say I've mostly been doing is sleeping yeah. and working. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's, it's pretty exciting. Living that young professional life. Yeah, it sounds like I'm, I'm in grind. one of those like heavy burnout jobs and stuff, but it's not. It's just that, you know, every time I sit on a sofa, I just immediately pass out. It's great. I <laughs> yeah. sat down to do the research for this last night because I'm well prepared. And yep. like any good student, do it the night before. Yeah. Um, sat down, poured a glass of red, put something on in the background and immediately fell asleep face down into my laptop, <laughs> which is good. Like there's a good level of yoga there because there's quite a lot of stretching involved because yeah. my laptop was on my lap. Yeah. Mm. Uh, <laughs> but otherwise... Um, yeah, I went camping. That was delightful. Okay. I went out into... It's a weird time of year to be doing that. No, it's the best time of year because all the things that will murder you, like um, snakes and spiders uh, and Australians, yeah. aren't out because yeah. it's too cold yeah, for snakes right. and spiders and Australians. Mm-hmm. So it was just me and another British guy and, and TJ, who is admittedly Australian. Yeah. But um, that was good. We went out into, uh, in, into the forest at a place called Forest. Forest was chosen because it has two things in the town. One of which is a brewery. Uh-huh. The other one is a pub. Yeah, I know you guys pretty well. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, so we went, we went camping near there. Did a little bit of walk around the lake. Saw mm-hmm. some platypuses, platypi, 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 I think. Plats. Yep. Um, some of those fellows. And then, um, yeah, it was, it was a nice weekend. We we were manly. We made a fire. It was great. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Felt, felt good. <laughs> I mean, every single person in the town of Forest was in assistance in making the fire because we had to buy wood and kindling and fire You're lighters. Just supporting and small town economies. That's what I'm doing. And I'm all about it. Yeah, I'm very much uh, about the mom and pop. Yeah. Mm. That is what they call them. 
at here. Yes, very much so. <laughs> Both of those words being in heavy rotation in Australian yeah. English. Yes. The fucking mum and dad. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Jeez. Right. The fucking mum and dad shop down the road, mate. Yeah, well, you buy your mums and dads. <laughs> <laughs> it's a reverse orphanage. <laughs> and scene. <laughs> and seven. Uh, 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 all right so so those uh those those things aside in our lives mm-hmm. we've got an exciting one today because we're going to be covering I don't, I, you're really tooting your own horn by saying that considering well, it's your beer and your story yeah we've got it certainly really wasn't the thing one. that i just went out last night and bought yeah yeah uh i just went out and bought another beer last night that um I've introduced this podcast recently to a friend of mine who lives over in Philadelphia. And I don't know if she's listening, but I literally bought a beer because it reminded me of her, um, which is going to sound awful when I tell you the beer was called Trash Panda. That's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. This is a Canadian brewery. Uh, it's, it's called Trash Panda. Mm-hmm. And at the top of each one of their beers, it just says, and this is not the name of the brewery. It's not called this, but it says, ladies and gentlemen, as if it's announcing the beer, which I'm a little <laughs> bit in love with. Oh, that's but, ladies and gentlemen, Trash Panda. Um, so I don't want to go to the strip club where Trash Panda's getting announced. She works. She does a lot of burlesque. So okay. um, yeah, no, you, you'd have you'd have made a mistake there because <laughs> yeah. she's good at it. Okay. Uh, but um, yeah, I told her this, and I was like, it's "Hey, an, it's an ironic stage name. That's not her stage name, to be fair." <laughs> Trash Panda. <laughs> I almost certainly guarantee there's a burlesque act called Trash Panda. There must be. Uh, but no, I told her uh, there's there's a there's a guy who does a lot of stuff in the local scene. Um, he recently got into a car accident. He got hit by a car and he mm. just announced it by sending a selfie from the back of the ambulance. But his stage wow. name is Flirt Vonnegut, which I'm That's so a massive fan of. Yeah. He's great. Um, but no, her name is Koshka Kilowatt. And if she's listening, wow. hi. Uh, but no, I sent this message being like, uh, I don't know if it was you and I'm just, or I'm hallucinating, but did you love Trash Pandas? She's like, yes, I am a Trash Panda. I was like, okay, cool. Okay. I bought a beer called Trash Panda because I thought it reminded me of you. Uh-huh. Um, she doesn't listen to this at the moment, so maybe she won't hear this. Yeah. Anyway, so I just want to address something, though, is that so far I've done The Axeman of New Orleans, yep. Ghost Ships. Yep. I've done... What was the other one? Yeah, it's a good question. Why am I struggling with this? Really? I was there. Yeah. What the hell was it? Uh, uh, what about the... Okay, what was the beer? I don't know. Because we did the chop. We did... Adnam's Ghost Ship. Uh, Squid Rising. Oh, Squid Giant Rising. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Giant Squid. And I, what I'm about to do today is another like semi-spooky, semi-aquatic thing. Mm-hmm. And actually quite close to Squid Rising yeah. the, and the Giant Squids. I don't mean this to be a theme. I think it's just <laughs> all these things that I quote unquote know about just yeah. happen to be like this. Wet and spooky. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I don't, mean, <laughs> I don't mean it to be like this. It's just um, that just seems to have happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, but today we're going to be drinking Kaiju Crush Black IPA Cthulhu on the Moon. Is I thought Kaiju Crush. Oh, was excuse just... me, no, Kaiju Brewery. Yeah. Yes, Cthulhu's on the Moon. Yeah. No, let me try again. Kaiju Beer Black IPA Cthulhu on the Moon. Yeah. Um, very good. Straight out of uh, Dandenong here in Victoria. Yeah. Very exciting. I really, I really like Kaiju Brewery. Actually, I first came yeah. across them at a beer festival that happened once and once only <laughs> down in Berwick. It was the first beer festival. I've been here, living here a little while. Mm. Um, first beer festival I went to, and I just got nicely trashed in the sun, chatting to just a few locals. Yep. Kaiju were there. Arctic Wolf were there. Arctic Fox Brewery. Um, Golden Axe Cider, which I believe is made by Kaiju. Yeah, actually. pretty sure. And a couple of others that I've not really seen huge amounts of since then. But yeah, mm. they were all good breweries. I had a great time. Yeah. And I watched a cool um, sort of 50s rock and roll band called Rosie and the Mighty Kings that were oh, really cool as name. well. 
Yeah, they were great. And I fell ever so slightly in love with her because she was cool as fuck and sung like a monster. It was brilliant. Yeah. Um, I actually fell in love with the whole band because they had an upright bass. Oh, um, that is good. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so mm. I discovered them a little while ago and they've just gone from strength to strength and they're yeah. bringing out more and more great beers. Mm. I actually think, I, I nearly pulled like three or four of their beers out of the fridge to look like consider their Metamorphosis IPA is a stonker. Yeah, it's so good. I think good. I've had that. I've got one of their, like the, they call it the mutation program. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a relatively new one, but it's like a peach guava session ale or something crazy oh, like that. That sounds wild. Yeah. Um, I think I've had one of them and it's, yeah, it's really delightful. Yeah, it sounds great. Um, but yeah, really like Kaiju beer. Um, I'm a big fan of their branding. Like it's, they're, they lean, like with the name Kaiju, they're leaning heavily on sort of monsters and yeah, that sort of thing. Their, um, their and, artwork but, but, is just cool as yeah, well. Yeah, it's like a kind of cartoony monster sort of imagery. Um, yeah, I, yeah it's, that, it's, that, it's, that was it's, like what drew me to them first is like I would keep seeing their beers in bottle stores. I'd be like, yeah. who are these people? And I almost like bought their beers based just on the artwork. Yeah, it's kind of cool. It's kind of it's kind of in a little bit of a way cutesy, cartoony. Yeah. It's just, it, it's I think it's just very cool artwork. Mm. And um, I know that you shouldn't judge a book by its cover, but I've bought so many bit. I literally just described that I bought a beer because of the name. Yeah. So like yeah yeah I'm so easily swayed mm. by exciting and pretty colors and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So yeah, totally buy beers that you like the look of. I yeah. genuinely believe that's a great uh, you know a bit of advice. Although it does really ruin filter brewery yeah, I was gonna say. because their branding is very very standard yeah it looks like a a german sort of beer label a lot of this yeah. stuff it's, uh i find their beers to be quite okay as I well i haven't tried them that they're, they're, they're fine their, yeah. their caribbean stout was brilliant okay. the rest of their beers are just quality standard beers yeah but i don't think they're gonna blow anyone away okay. anyway we're, we're gonna yeah. let's topic. talk about this beer so this beer is a black ipa mm-hmm. which i think about three episodes ago i said were dead um it's unrelated uh it's just i wanted to get this to be honest there's also a small bit of writing on here that i can't make out just over the shoulder of the gentleman here on the front i think it just says kaiju something yeah well this is something bit that i couldn't make out thanks for that yeah that's maybe it actually says something yeah i've I've got no idea i can't quite make that out anyway that's Mm. not important isn't it what if it is no it looks like it says f-h-t-a-g-n but that doesn't mean anything no, nope, I got nothing. Okay, well, <laughs> you know, that's happening. Yep. So, <clears throat> just uh, to read it, the, the back packaging. The uh, beer on the moon sucks. Ask Cthulhu. I mean, he I knows the gravity. Sorry? I could have told you that. Well, it's probably like dehydrated beer. Yeah. Hmm. Um, he knows the gravity's too low. That's a brewing joke. You're all welcome. <laughs> Partial to oxymoron. When he's thirsty, he always reaches for a kaiju black IPA and destroys it. Which, yeah, big, big into. Good. Um, all right, so... Let's do what we always do and uh, open the damn smash thing. it open. Oh, shit. I, I got the smell of it right up my nose immediately. Mm. That was insane. Ooh. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. Okay. You know, this like pouring into the glass bit sounds way better when we do it from a bottle. Yeah. It's just that cans are... Cans. <laughs> Everyone loves cans. Big bag of cans. <laughs> um, all right, let's do what we're supposed to be doing. Let's Drink try beer. some beer. Mm. Oh, my God. Just first off, I know it's a black IPA and it's entirely meant to be. It's very black. It is very black. Yeah. Yeah, can I see through it? Mm. Um, nice sort of like golden brownie head, sort of yeah. creamy brownie head. Yeah, it's very I'd nice. say creamy more yeah, than sorry. anything else. All right, sip it away. Oh, that's good. Mm. Mm. 
Okay, yeah, so it smells more like an IPA than it tastes in yeah. terms of what I'm used to. So the the smell is very like hop, like fruitiness yeah. sort of going on, and then the taste is just definitely because it's a black beer. It's definitely a bit more like sort of that burnt flavor mm. ever so slightly. It's not like a stout level, yeah, but it's got like that sort of more toasted flavor, yeah, and then um, a little bit oaty. Yeah, 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 definitely. You can taste the the, the biscuit and the malts, mm. um, and then it's just got like a hit at the end of the hop flavor, which I'm. I'm actually yeah. really into. That's real tasty. Yeah, it's almost like a little freshener at the end. Yeah, because otherwise it, it would be quite like a rich, bold sort of flavor. Mm, I think it takes the edge off that quite nicely mm. without it like destroying that, that yeah. Um, initial sort of yeah, very nice sort of. Uh, I, it's really hard to explain it without saying like it's a dark flavor. Like you, yeah, it's strange that you can put things in your mouth and you can taste the color of it. Well, like that's if, that's kind of why I, like. I want us to do the show like this is like, because we lack the ability to describe flavor as well and like yeah. trying to figure it out. I'm actually really enjoying that. Mm. Um, so, so, but I know what you mean. Like it's a, it is a dark flavor, but yeah. um, I can't think how to describe it. any better. Well, than it's, that. It's, it's the same way, you, you know, if you get like a particularly dark red wine or you mm. get like um, dark chocolate compared to regular, it's just yeah. got that sort of like that bitterness, which is not yeah, overpowering. It's, it's a little like bitterness, a little more rich. Um, yeah. But there's a deepness yeah. to the flavor. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, right on the end there, there's like that little, it's nothing too heavy. It's not like some of the beers we've drank on here, like the Nipahs, like the chicken yeah. squid or anything like that, where it's very fruity. It's uh-huh. more just like it brings like a, oh, not quite floral element, but mm. it just brings like a, a lightness to it. And then yeah. there is a slight fruitiness to it, but it's not like some of the, like the fruit juicy ones we've had. Mm. Um, it's not like a strong citrus flavor. No. But it's like, it's a shade of it. Yeah, I think there's a there's a bit more of like a uh, earthy, grassy flavor to this okay, one. Okay, yeah. Um, especially the smell. Mm. But yeah, I, I, I'm um, I'm quite into that. Yeah. But then I really don't think that this brewery's done much much wrong. No, I, I I feel like I might have had this before at some point because um, it's been around for a while. Mm, um, I think I have too, to be fair. Yeah, but that doesn't mean I don't like it. No, I mean, so I had an interesting discussion with someone recently in that mm. the, the craft beer world really struggles with brand loyalty. Yeah, I think, I know, like, I know what you mean because there's so many always popping up and so many doing like new beers and limited releases and things like that that it's hard to sort of associate one brewery with like a solid sort of identity. Yeah, well, well I, I mean, well, the other side of it is though that like, if you right, if you are into craft beer, mm. there's so much choice out there. You yeah. kind of usually want to try it all. Yeah, no, that's you should see my fridge. <laughs> I, I have, and it's it's spectacular, <laughs> and you can see it on our Instagram. Yeah. Um, but the, the the good thing about that is it means you get to try loads of different things. Yeah. But the bad thing is for the breweries, you've got to keep innovating and being good at what you yeah. do. Otherwise, people won't, won't stick drinking won't stick your with your beer. products. Yeah. yeah. Because if they try something and they like it, they'd be like, cool, yeah. we try other things like it that, rather that, than I'll drink that forever. That being said, like there are a few breweries that I will almost always drink something from if it's around. Like Balta are yeah. usually really good. Absolutely. Um, and there's, there's a few that have sort of popped up over the last few years that have just really you know, gone from strength to strength and I've gone like, Hey, maybe these guys generally know what they're doing. Yeah. Um, and even like local stuff too, like stomping ground, I've had like grown a certain, uh, appreciation for mostly from oh. going to their joint in Collingwood. Yes. Um, and then when I see this, if I'm like at a restaurant or a bar and you know, they've got a limited tap list, but there's stomping ground there. I will usually just get that cause it's safe. Yeah. You can gravitate towards something, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I absolutely agree with all of those points. I would say, one of mine for that is Hop Nation. I will oh, buy yeah. their cans oh, of the yeah. Heart Pale Ale anytime because yeah. I think it's just a great sessionable beer. 
and really tasty mm. and everything else they've done i'm just i haven't been there yet i went to two birds this weekend okay. finally for the yeah. first time in forever yeah um and i've still got to go to hop nation in mm. footscray i really can't wait to go do it yeah. but um their cans of the heart i'll buy regularly mm. but i've got to ask like when was the last time you bought a slab Oh, that prob- wasn't going to a party. Yeah, I was going to say like it was probably when I was doing frisbee stuff and I was like staying somewhere with the team yeah. and I was like, look, I can afford to just get us a slab. We'll figure it out later. That's usually when I would buy a slab. Yeah, but now it's like I'll buy a just couple like of six individual packs, beers. Yeah, or like a or six, six pack, pack here yeah. or there. Yeah, yeah. I can't remember realistically the last time I bought a slab except for like when I went camping. Mm. I bought a slab of the Pirate Life Throwback IPA. Yeah, that's their mid strength. By the way, great idea. We drank all night. Woke up the next morning, pretty fresh. Yeah, it's brilliant. Yeah, and yeah. we drank some. Um, stouts and some red wine yeah, as well. Nice. Uh, yeah, it was a really, really, really good night. Mm. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's a difficult thing. Is that yeah, I'll drink pretty much anything these kaiju guys put out. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I'd just buy a. I'd probably buy a slab of kaiju crush quite happily. Yeah. That's really tasty. And yeah. I think the one for me that is kind of like in the middle of that whole spectrum is Moondog. Because mm. I, I know that generally their beers are going to be high quality, but they also tend to do stuff that's a little bit wild. Yeah. And that's part of why I like them. Yeah, um, big fan. Have you been to the brewery? No, not yet. Oh, um, it's no. yeah. I think they're 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 opening a new joint in Preston or something at some point, right? Yeah, they're like building it at the moment. That's my understanding. And also, um, Stomping Ground are looking at opening a joint in the southeast. Yeah, I think we I spoke think about this on a previous episode. Yeah, yeah. And I spoke to someone. Oh, this is going to sound so unbelievably wanky, and I can't wait. <laughs> I um, <clears throat> spoke to another brewery owner recently, uh-huh. just by chance. And uh, that person in the industry was they're they're currently moving their base of operations. I'm not going to name any names because I don't I don't think that's fair. And no. also, all four listeners might be you know <laughs> hey, selling we're shares. We're more than four. Um, but um, yeah, this person is moving to a new premises, and mm-hmm. um, I mentioned the stomping ground rebuild and I, I, I rather uh, new build expansion yeah, expansion. Yeah. That's what. And I think that there's a little bit of a grumble about it because yeah. there's already quite a few breweries heading out southeast yeah. so as you get towards the peninsula you've got like five or but six but also as far as melbourne goes like stomping grounds one of the more like cashed up ones that's it it's yeah. a very big one kind of already just, got a massive location yeah. and it's more competition which to some degree you've got to be like i do understand why another business yeah. would be a little bit peeved in moving into their spot but, but but again to your point before like because there's so much variety in craft beer it's not like yeah. they can't all succeed as long as they've got something to sort of differentiate themselves yeah i guess when do you reach critical mass yeah that's yeah, yeah when you over yeah are we getting to a point where we're saturating the market a bit i don't know i don't know if this is the podcast to have that discussion no we're not industry insiders we're just uh yeah strong enthusiasts (laughs) we are big supporters yes (laughs) all right so we've gone off on a massive tangent here about the beer industry more than anything else so cthulhu well thanks for uh spunking all the wall before me Uh um i was going to announce that myself but today we're going to be talking about uh hp lovecraft and cthulhu okay okay now just gonna get the uh White elephant in the room. I'm going to go with that. Yep. Out of the way, incredibly early. Yep. H.P. Lovecraft was hideously racist. That is like one of the main things I know about him, having <sighs> never read any of his actual work. His work's brilliant. Sure. Do you like Edgar Allan Poe? Uh, again, no, I don't know. Read that. It's amazing. Read H.P. Yep. Lovecraft. Read stuff by the wider um, writers around the uh, universe i'll talk about that a bit more later more like just general eldritch kind of stuff yeah well, not necessarily lovecraft well, i'll go into that later yeah but i would say read lovecraft it's not like he's benefiting from this my friend has a uh, a bit of a uh a sort of theory slash policy in that 
they, after it's basically been discovered that most of the celebrity world appears to either be a pedophile, a rapist, or just a monster. Yeah. Um, her policy is that she won't buy or consume their products if they're going to benefit from it. And he's uh, dead. Okay. So yeah. you go nuts. Well, there's probably some Lovecraft estate somewhere. Anyway, I, back to your point. Doesn't mean they're necessarily. Anyway, <laughs> okay. So horrendous racist. Yeah. Um, really awful human being. Had a cat called N-Word Man. Um, <laughs> wow. Wrote, wrote uh, different treaties on, on why yeah. um, certain races are inferior. Great. Um, and uh, just generally a, yep. a particularly unlikable person in his race relations. Cool. Seemingly, the rest of him kind of fine, but not a good yeah, thing. like the that's the, not excusing anything. The, the general vibe I've gotten from hearing people talk about Lovecraft is that yes, that element exists, and also it's very clear from his work that it's like it's in there as well as like undertones and yeah. messages and metaphors and things like that. Well, some of his work is is actually quite centric to it, and mm. some of it is more just like throwaway words and the way he describes people and stuff. Yeah. It's kind of like wow. Fuck! Did, he didn't know he was didn't a racist. Need to do be like, shit. Where did <laughs> yeah. that come from? Yeah. So I, I want to just come out nice and early and say, horrible. Hate it. Yep. Don't like it at all. Um, the difficult thing now is to sort of turn around and then say, try to separate the art from the artist. Yeah. yeah. Try and separate the art from the artist because what he produced was pretty spectacular, pretty interesting, um, highly influential, mm. and definitely worth looking at. But going into it with like this kind of perspective. Yeah, on please be him. aware that he's a monster. Try not to deify him or anything like that. No. Um, his gigantic fucking face. Uh, <laughs> he was an awful man. Oh, I thought you just meant he had a big noggin. Oh, he did. If you've okay. ever seen a picture of him, he is like, you know how people say Sarah Jessica Parker looks like a foot? It's either that or a horse. I think yeah. Is. Well, he looks yeah. like a really big horsey foot. Okay. Honestly. Oh, okay. I might just man. quickly bring up a picture of his stupid that's not, face. That's not going to carry. No. Uh, well, we can put it on, on thingy, uh, on, the, on, on the socials. On the internet. Um, let me just find you a picture of H.P. Lovecraft. Unfortunately, my ancient, ancient laptop is going to take eight. There he is. Yeah, that's a big old noggin. He's got a fucking huge face. Yeah. Uh, he was not a good looking man. He was a thin-lipped, giant-faced man. He, he looks like... And somehow you know, had go, the audacity you know to tell into, other people they were inferior. You know you go into like a character creator in a video game? He looks like one of the defaults. Yeah, he he, he Randomize. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, fucking middle slider fucking face. Yeah. yeah. Strangely enough, I went to school with a guy who, looking back, looks a lot like H.P. Lovecraft. Oh, dear. Yeah. He was a very funny and uh, likable man. Okay. Okay, so... That out the way, that yep. underlined, yep. do not, you know, canonize this man. He was a terrible person. Mm -hmm. Ignore that entirely and take on his work. Mm -hmm. He was one of the most prominent horror writers in recent history. Mm -hmm. uh, highly influential, gave birth to a whole universe of horror, which influences so much work today yeah. in so many different ways. Just unbelievable. Mm. Uh, lesser known, he was also a massive journal contributor. Like scientific journals? Yeah, okay. he was... He was fascinated by science specifically around astronomy astronomy is, is the real one yep yep and uh chemistry he was absolutely okay. fascinated by it um and the thing is as well as being a uh horror writer and stuff like that he was he wrote about that sort of stuff and mm -hmm. he was very meticulous and, and scientific and exact kind of person so some of his writing is very interesting in that respect mm -hmm. he was also a ridiculously promiscuous letter writer having written 
I know that's probably not the right word, but I'm running with it. I was going to say prominent, but promiscuous makes it is he, more is he accurate. Just like sending flirty letters all over the place. He used to write things in journals, and then people would write back and tell him he was talking bollocks. And there was one particular guy whose first name was getting I believe his name was something Russell. Yeah, and it's not Bertram. Um, and he would write back to him to argue the point purely because he really appreciated the way that Russell wrote. Okay. So like he would write letters to Russell. They were both very, very differing sides of the argument. Yeah. And Russell was like calling him out as a monster and uh, rightly so. And Lovecraft mm. would write back because he'd be like, God, the man just writes so damn well. I've got to write back to him. Oh. It's like very strange. But yeah. Okay. Yeah. So very promiscuous. Um, and he uh, wrote over 100,000 letters in his lifetime. His correspondence is legendary. And around wow. a fifth of them still exist. Wow. Yeah. Mental. I'm trying to think how many emails I've ever sent just to compare, and I don't think it's anywhere close to that. Interestingly enough, I occasionally look at my all emails oh, like no. box on don't Google just to see quite how much has come in and out at work, and it's in the thousands, but it's not even in the double digits of yeah, thousands, but like, I don't think. Not all of those you would have even read or looked at. Exactly. <laughs> it's it's like 9,000. I've been like, there five these are years. Like personal correspondences yeah, that he's writing. by hand. Wow. Mentalist. Uh, he didn't even do it when he was a child either. That was an adult thing. Mm. So he really... Could he write with both hands? Was he just like being really efficient? Are you asking? Uh, so interestingly, he, that would mean he had a, a lack of a corpus callosum in the brain, which is the sort of membrane which goes down the center of your brain, like yeah. in between the butt cheek folds there, which is yeah. not what they're called, but the two yeah. hemispheres. Yes. And my nephew doesn't have one. Right. Um, which means that he may be able to be like sort of not only ambidextrous, but ambi, like kind of working two different things with yeah, two different yeah, hands. Yeah. Pretty fascinating. Yeah. Would make him an interesting musician because yeah, sure. drummers and stuff like that, he can do that. He's it's brilliant as yeah. a guitarist because... Literally yeah, having okay. split, you know, things. Interesting. Cool. Okay. So um, in his letter writing, he actually he actually used to date some of his letters to 200 years prior to the date he was writing them. Why? Um, <laughs> it, it would, would have put the writing back in the sort of US colonial like, times. Oh, I'm a time-traveling wizard man. Well, you're not too far off. Okay. Uh, he put it back in US colonial times, which was before the American Revolution, yeah, um, yeah. which uh, was a war which very much would have offended his Anglophilia. Mm -hmm. He was a massive Anglophile. Yeah. Um, he thought that the English version of things was the best version of things, better gotcha. than European, American, anything else. Sure. So he, he, he used to date these letters 200 years previous so that he could basically pretend in his own mad little way, that he was living in the perfect two centuries, which was the, um, he thought that the 18th century and the 20th centuries were the best. Right. Uh, with, he thought the, quote, sorry, I've got best here in quotes. Yeah. Um, the height of like English colonialism. Well, I don't know why he didn't just move to England. Bell yeah. Um, we so, sorry, so what sort of like time period was he alive in? So he, he lived in the sort of the turn of the, of the 20th century. Yeah. So, okay. Um, my, I've not written down the dates because I'm an idiot, but um, sometime around the end of the uh, 1800s is when he was yeah. born. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, and lived through to sort of like the early 20s or 30s, I think. Okay. Um, he, uh, yeah, he thought that the 18th century was a period of noble grace and that the 20th century was a period of science. Okay. So well, I, I can kind of wistfully understand like that kind of desire. Yeah. Um, yeah. But almost certainly tied into his but, desire to yeah. own black people. Yeah, <laughs> it's gonna be a lot of sighing like that. Yeah, man. No, hey, I think I think you, for the you, most part, there's no. This one. There's a bit more about race in here, and I okay. can. I, I want to say I can only apologize for the whole thing. I guess I don't yeah. know. Okay, so he 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 
lived most of his life in the northeast of the US, uh, in New okay. England specifically. Yep. He was born and died in Rhode Island, but he spent some time in like New York, Brooklyn specifically. Sure. Um, and just like uh, one of the more prominent horror writers that he influenced, Stephen King, most of the stuff that he wrote was set around New England. Yeah, I mean, write what you know, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like Stephen King's fetish for New England is, is legendary, and I think it was very much influenced by this. I feel like I didn't even know that about Stephen King. Oh, shit, dude, look. Yeah. Uh, all of his books are set in New England. It's mad. Yeah, okay. It's insane. Um, probably not The Dark Tower. That's very much a cowboy space western yeah. thing. Like, um, <laughs> I don't think that's set in New England. I mean, no. I've never been there, but it looks quite leafy and pleasant. Mm. Yeah. Um, so Lovecraft was pretty broke throughout his entire life. Okay. Um, he never actually was able to support himself through his work. And he was a prominent writer, so his yeah. stuff would appear all over the place and it was published quite a lot, but it just never made him any money. Wow. Um, and he was sort of recognized recognized quite posthumously uh, as as influential as he was, but mm. people still read his stuff back in the day. Yeah. And um, yeah, he's probably the most, arguably the most important horror writer of the 20th century. Yeah, I mean, I, I haven't done a lot of reading horror to be fair so it's all fairly new to me it's not a genre i read too much of of, but um it's pretty fascinating stuff um so he actually married once um he was uh married to i believe a girl who was 19 when he was about 30 yeah super good and fun yeah a little bit fucked but also back then probably not that unusual not unusual but doesn't mean it's good no (laughs) once again all the other stuff he did well yeah um and um, he, but he never had any children because he was absolutely petrified of physical intimacy. Huh. Um, and uh, there's a there's a, a bit here because at eight years old he um, he read a medical text. He, okay. was, he was a real nerd. Yeah, um, he read a medical text on human reproduction, and it quote virtually killed my interest in the subject. Wow, which I can kind of get. Maybe yeah, you don't I mean, expose yourself to the shit at that it's, age. It's a weird thing that we humans do, but yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> especially when I do it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay, so so he, he you'd be ah, oh, I was about to say you'd be pleased to hear, but that's probably not the right phrase. He, 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 he died at forty six. Let's just go with that. Okay, he died at forty six from an intestinal cancer, and mm. due to his uh, deep scientific curiosity and interest, uh, he kept he him, opened himself up and took a look at it. Uh, <laughs> no, he, he inserted his hand. Uh, oh, no. No. no, 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 he didn't. Okay. Um, he, <laughs> he kept a uh, he kept an in, uh, an insanely detailed account of his illness. Oh, okay. uh, up until like his last moments. Wow, he was writing about everything he was experiencing and stuff. It's actually a really interesting and detailed mm. account of someone dying of of intestinal cancer Jeez. and he wrote in a way that it, it, because of his interest in science mm. and like he'd been reading scientific journals from like so he knew how to structure the information yeah, yeah. It, was, it was apparently pretty fascinating um and if you're into reading that kind of thing i'm sure it's still available yeah i'll bet good thanks uh so <laughs> he was um he's buried in his family grave but um, he has a very prominent headstone in Rhode Island, in Providence, okay. which he's not buried underneath. Oh. But people go visit that grave as a pilgrimage, but he's not in there. It's yeah. very strange. There's, there's a few things like that. Like, I think in Boston, there's a massive uh, thing in the cemetery there for Alexander Hamilton. Oh, yeah. And I'm not sure if he's actually buried there, but there's there's tons of stuff like that throughout the US. Oh, yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. So, But people, like, make pilgrimages to it, and he's mm. not oh, there. Yeah. It's very strange, but... Um, that's just a, but that was erected in like 1977 anyway. So, yeah, right. Yeah. Um, so he was very um, influenced by people like Edgar Allan Poe and stuff mm. like that. Um, one of his earliest influences, which he read, I think it said when he was eight years old. Uh, great throwback to my previous episode. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, <laughs> which was he read Samuel Taylor Coleridge's The Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner. Oh, good. Which we discussed on Adam's Ghost Ship episode, yeah, which was 
called something, definitely. Yeah. And likewise remember. was also named. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so um, that's, uh, I thought that was an interesting throwback. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he, he lived quite a morbid life um, through almost no fault of his own. Okay. Um, at age five, his, um, I think, maternal grandmother died. And she was very much sort of the matriarch, head of the family, and sure. they lived with her. Um, his family sunk into, quote, a gloom from which it never recovered. Wow. Um, and his mother and aunt began wearing uh, black morning gowns, which apparently terrified him. Yeah. At the age of five, just having his mother and aunt constantly in black morning gowns and often facial veils, it actually, it, it scared the shit out of him. And he started having nightmares about uh, that period of time okay. that would massively inform his later writing. I was going to say, like... The, the little bits I know about his main body of work, I'm starting to see some like visual metaphors forming in terms of things that might be traumatic that lead to yeah, what he ends up writing about. Yeah, absolutely. With the, you know, giant monsters of the deep and all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, specific, specifically, he began to have uh, recurring nightmares of beings he termed night gaunts. Okay. Um, their appearance, uh, which he credited to the influence of a French artist called... Um, <clears throat> I, I I set myself up constantly on this show to pronounce things that I don't know how to pronounce. You, you, yeah, you didn't need to put the name in there. It could have just be like a French guy. No, because you might know some of his work. So it's okay. a guy called Gustave, and I want to say Doré, which is D-O-R-E, and the E has an accent, but I think it's Doré. So okay. Gustave Doré, um, and his illustrations um, are semi sort of... Um, uh, sort of recognizable he wrote a lot of stuff about um he did he did a lot of illustrations around like christian mythology and stuff like that sure. one of which called satan's flight through chaos is, is kind of fairly familiar it's been reused oh, yeah, in yeah. memes and yeah, stuff I've so you've seen that, seen that before thing. yep yep i didn't just say the name and jeff got, was like ah yes i know that i, no, I did actually it. look at it yeah, yeah there was there was a picture it wasn't it wasn't <laughs> oh, just yeah. satan's flight through chaos i'm familiar with it oh by gustav dore yeah 1836 you just looked at it yeah i don't know <laughs> <laughs> anyway um, so yeah, we're erudite, but not that erudite mm. and not erudite at all. Anyway. Um, so he said that, uh, Dory's illustrations would whirl me through space at a sickening rate of speed, the while fretting and impelling me with their detestable tridents. Wow. Uh, nope, actually just completely missed that, messed that up. He said the <laughs> night gaunts would do that to uh, him, which makes much more sense. Yeah. Let me try that again. The night gaunts would whirl me through space at a sickening rate of speed the while fretting and impelling me with their detestable tridents. Mm. That's much more terrifying than than a painter. Um, God, imagine just the the idea of Gustav just whirling me through space. Not the easel. Ah, (laughs) He's stabbing with his brushes. Um, (laughs) But uh, yeah, 30 years later, the the night gaunts themselves would actually appear in his writing. Okay. So uh, yeah. Named the night gaunts. Yeah, absolutely. They were, they were, they were made an actual appearance. Mm. And uh, yeah, obviously this, this period of his life was so traumatic that it, it basically changed him. Sort of irrevocably. Yeah. Um, he was insular and had a lot of troubles and stuff as a young child. All right. He definitely had groups of friends and he was quite serious. But if people were interested in the same things he was interested in, he had a very passionate speaker to mm-hmm. them. And, you know, obviously being such a prominent writer and stuff like that, he was quite... Um, He's quite... Um, articulate? Uh, yeah, articulate. That's definitely what I was looking for and yeah. struggling to say myself. He's got the gift of the gab. Uh, the, the, the minor irony of me not remembering the word articulate. Yeah. Trying to, he's very good wordy. Yeah. Um, he words good. Yeah. Uh, you got a <laughs> spoon to dig. Uh, no, food to dig. Spoon. That's it. Yeah. That's Simpsons <laughs> reference. You're all welcome. Of course it was. Yeah. You know. Um, but yeah, so he, he would talk quite passionately with people about his, um, his interests and his mm-hmm. interest in astronomy. People... 
if they were even sort of give a passing interest in it, he would sort of impel them to, you know, come along, come along and have a look right. through the telescope, you know, really interested okay. to talk to you about it. So he was, he was fairly sociable, but mm. he, he had a lot of problems. Yeah. Um, he suffered um, throughout his early years from nervous breakdowns right. pretty consistently. Um, and it got thrown out of school a few times. He was realistically quite a talented and gifted student. He would have, he was always said he was going to go to university at Brown, okay. which is one of the, you know, top colleges in America. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, because of his, uh, near constant breakdowns and his um, pretty fractious relationships with teachers and, and, okay. and the administration. Yeah. He he dropped out of high school, never finished high school wow. and never sort of went further with it. Um, it didn't seem to really set him back. He went on a fairly illustrious writing career for different journals, yeah. both as an amateur um, journalist and then sort of more professional paid work, but yeah, right. never anything particularly prominent in terms mm. of getting cash. Um <laughs> But there was no no real known cause for his nervous breakdowns that was ever sort of discovered at the time. Um, there was a, a I believe a, a, a PhD student that came from his class mm-hmm. that said, looking back, that it was potentially um, as a result of something called cholera minor. Okay, I feel like I've heard that term before. Well, so cholera is um, you know a yeah, very yeah. common disease, but cholera minor can result in nervous breakdowns at a young age and right. can have like hysteria and stuff like that, which is okay. quite an archaic term now. I realize, but. Mm. Yeah, and and then and someone else has sort of noted that it sounds like it was a, a pretty serious bout of what's called atypical depression. Sure. So you know, um, pretty some, harrowing life issues, and all yeah. stuff. Yeah, uh, you can certainly see why he wrote mad shit. Yeah, yeah. Um, so there was there was some sort of consistent themes in his work though that you know uh, we'll we'll talk about. First one that uh, is runs throughout the whole thing is forbidden knowledge you know esoteric uh, ideas and texts and stuff like that it yeah. just runs through his work like a river so much of it is about people discovering things they shouldn't know cults uh-huh. and you know secret worship etc so it's yeah. really cool some of the some of the more interesting stuff he's written i think is is some of the stuff that is people finding out things and that actually seems to be actually quite a, a big part of it is people finding things out they didn't want to know and it and it sort of ruining their lives right um because like the phrase forbidden knowledge is just so intriguing yeah because it's not like necessarily implying that it's damaging but it's just like why am i not supposed to know this thing? yeah absolutely yeah so fascinating um so that um non-influences not excuse me non-human influences on humanity so okay. you know external influence on humanity from cosmic beings or ancient beings etc right, yeah really big part of it inherited guilt was a really big one and i don't know if that's potentially a sort of throwback to his own childhood and the fact that Mm. You know, the death of his grandmother and the, um, the death of his uh, father right. and the fact that both of his parents were committed to insane asylum, the same insane asylum at different times. Right. I know yeah. that's not the correct term in this day and age, but that's what they were back then. Yeah. Um, his dad potentially suffering from illnesses, uh, uh, suffering from mental issues around syphilis. Sure. Um, I think that that ties back to his, his growing up in that he has all this sort of weight from his youth that mm. isn't really his fault. And I think no. that's a big part of it. Um, so yeah, people basically inherited guilt comes up quite a bit. There's quite a lot of people in his work that are uh, something happened in their family a long time ago, and they're still paying the price for it, even though that person is sure. long dead and they're five generations down. Yeah, um, fate, huge part of his work, you know, okay. and, and sort of fatalism, civilization under threat, which he thought was really interesting because of the next one, which is the risks of the scientific era. Okay, um, he was fascinated by science, but he also sort of imagined there was folly to it, which mm-hmm. you know is, is is quite a common theme in most science writing, but also in a lot of sort of scientific thought these days, especially yeah. around stuff like AI. Yeah, um, yeah. Religion came into it quite a bit, especially um, his 
um, you know, sort of cults and stuff in yeah, there, but yeah, also, yeah. you know, other religion just around I mean, general religion that exists in the yep. world. And of course, race. Yay. Yay. <laughs> race was a big part of it. Yeah. I'm just going to move on swiftly from that. Yep. But the interesting thing about the way he wrote in that, I don't think there are many other authors. I mean, maybe there are, but I don't think there are many other authors that have done this, which is what he did is he created a universe for other authors to write into. Yeah, right. So, I mean, that's sort of happened around major pop culture things like comic books. Well, that, that, that's and, more from like that usually starts with like things like fan fiction and then or it's like other writers that maybe do fan fiction. And then they get brought in like I've got a book actually on my bookshelf, which is it was like part of the 40th anniversary of Star Wars. They, got mm. a, they went out to a bunch of writers and said, hey, do you want to write something in the Star Wars universe? And of course, this was after they'd killed off the extended universe, which yeah. was a massive piece of fan fiction. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's that's more of a thing now, I think. It used to be a lot more closed off. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that's partly the, the dis- dissemination of information, mm. the higher levels of literacy, the ability yeah, for people yeah. to consume and share their work, etc. But um, yeah, he, back then it would have been like nobody's doing that. Well, absolutely. But the thing is, it, I guess it was still like the earliest versions of fan fiction. Yeah. I think that's really interesting that you brought that up because I hadn't considered that. But that's, I guess, exactly yeah. what it is. So is he like almost putting out like a writing guide to say like, hey, this is the universe that you can work within? Or what? how, how was he getting that out there? Uh, to be honest, I'm not entirely certain, but there was a there was a sort of um, a contemporary protege of his called August Derleth, which is a okay. great name, yeah. to be perfectly honest with you, who um, was the first one to coin what they call the Cthulhu mythos. Right. Which is the sort of wider universe around Lovecraftian mm-hmm. horror, etc. Mm-hmm. And um he used that to it was after Lovecraft died that he identified it as that. Right. Um but they were they were they were friends and stuff like this. Yeah. Um and he used it to identify the settings, tropes, law mm-hmm. that that were employed by Lovecraft and then his literary successors. Mm-hmm. And um the the sort of initial the start of that that Cthulhu mythos was the nineteen ninety nine no, excuse me, nineteen nineteen um, story Dagon, right. which is the first sort of mention of things like old ones and comic yeah. horror. So, so right, his work. Um, where does the term like Eldritch come from? Because that's related to this as well, right? Well, well Eldritch was a word before this, though. Right. My understanding, because because that's where like I know oh, this. I think so. Anyway, where well, there's some parts of like some elements from this that cross over into like Dungeons and Dragons, where there's mention oh, of great old hugely. ones and things like that. So I don't know like which part came first. Uh, I would imagine Lovecraft's work did. Yeah. Oh, but, but what? But are they both drawing from some common literary ancestor? Um, that's kind of interesting because I think that I don't know enough about the subject, but I would say that he, for the most part, is the progenitor of a lot of this. Mm-hmm. He was definitely influenced by other things. Yeah. But and but he's then taken that and and ran with it into a different direction. Yeah. Because I guess like when you talk about him, you know, creating this universe for other creators to be a part of. And thinking like how now things like intellectual property work, the idea that some of his concepts cross over to something like Dungeons and Dragons, that would almost never happen now. Yeah, no. And this is this is slightly before the time of intellectual property rights and being slapped yeah, yeah. with a uh, with a ban by someone like Nintendo, who's a nightmare for it, for example. Yeah, or even just like the way copyright law has yeah, worked. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, no, he, he sort of was quite open in saying like, this is the universe I've created, add to it. Right. Which is so cool as an idea. Yeah. Um, do you know if there was any kind of like approval body to say like, this doesn't work, this does work with what I've got in mind for the universe? I, I, don't, I, to be honest, I don't know. I looked into it a little bit and I, could, mm. I couldn't really find any sort of um, 
official writing on his right. saying like this is the way the universe works yeah because that that's where some parts of like fan fiction can uh not get problematic, but like it gets hard to work out sort of what parts to take in because it starts yeah. to diverge pretty wildly. Well, I think the other thing about that is that at this time, people's IP wasn't so like heavily guarded. Yeah, sure. And I think that the people that were writing about it, writing in this style and writing in a Lovecraftian universe and the Cthulhu mm. mythos, were doing it from a place of such reverence and love for the work right. that their work was pretty much just more stories set in that universe as opposed right. to like taking things that existed and then running away with them. Yeah. So it's pretty, it's pretty interesting. Mm. But I mean, the enormous, like, it's really difficult to, I guess, uh, to, to, to get a point, get across the point how influential he was on stuff. Mm. Um, Especially because so, I haven't ever read any of it. <laughs> no, but you still, no, there's so many people out there that have never read anything, but they all know who Cthulhu is. Oh, yeah. A lot of people will know who Dagon is. People have yeah. heard of Lovecraft. People yeah. have heard of the Necronomicon. I yeah. mean, the Necronomicon appears in the Evil Dead series, which is mm. obviously very influential because it's a horror story. But the, basically name like a horror movie game, anything like that book. Mm. There's some elements of it. Stephen King wrote so much specifically. All right, so you've seen It? Uh, I haven't, actually. Don't watch the new one? Shit. Okay. Um, but if you've read It, It, capital. Anyway, yeah. if you've read it, um, the Pennywise, sorry, spoilers for a 1980s book. <laughs> um, Pennywise the Clown isn't an evil clown. He is a cosmic entity that manifests as a clown. Man, now I actually want to watch it more. <laughs> I mean, watch the um, Richard Burton, not Richard Burton, what's his bloody name? Tim Curry. Tim Curry, yeah, yeah. Richard Burton is someone different. Yeah. Um, Richard Burton's the guy, I think that's his name, who did the Rocky Horror Show, that's the reason why. Okay, yeah. Um, so yeah, watch the Tim Curry miniseries. Okay. Apparently way better. The movie, people seem to like it, but I found it incredibly just like, eh, it was yeah. fine and I kind of feel like I wasted a couple of hours. Okay. Um, but yeah, he's, a, he's a, an eldritch cosmic horror Okay. Um, ancient and lives under the town of wherever it is they live in Massachusetts. Right. Because of course, New England. Yeah. But um, things like that, things like Bloodborne. Yeah. Heavily yeah, inspired. Yeah, true. I, I mentioned that because we've both been playing it recently. Mm. Elements of Skyrim use a lot of Lovecraftian stuff. World of mm. Warcraft. I think at this point, like anything with fantasy sort of yes. trappings will probably have some of that in there. Yeah, absolutely. It's just yeah. like, because it's such a rich universe to draw from. Mm. And because of the way that it is, it's not like... Star Wars, where if you draw it in, it's like, well, got to pay Disney now. Yeah. And got to acknowledge that this is Star Wars we're stealing from. Mm. It's a universe that was set up to go like, hey, here's some elements. Knock yourself out. Just remix the shit out of it. Yeah, very much so. Yeah. Um, interesting one that I found, which was that um, the early drafts of Robert E. Howard's Conan stories were set in the Cthulhu mythos. Wait, what? Yeah. So, you mean like the Conan story that Arnold Schwarzenegger was eventually involved with? So the Conan story, which is one of the greatest movies of all time. Yes. Wow. And if you think I'm joking or being sarcastic about that, I'm not. Conan the Barbarian with Arnold Schwarzenegger, I have seen probably a hundred times. That it was like is, one of his, one of, if not his first acting role, right? It's, it's very early in and his it career. shows, is my understanding. What about? It's genuinely brilliant. Like, I, I'm okay. not being sarcastic. I'm not being ironic. I'm not okay. being like, it's brilliant, like Men in Black 1's brilliant. Hey. Men in Black 1's fine, but it's not like a tour de force for <laughs> it's movie. It's no Conan the Barbarian. Conan the Barbarian is a beautifully shot, stunning visuals, greatly scored, and well-written movie. Arnie's the worst bit in it, realistically. You feel the lamentation of the women. Yeah, and he's still kind of, like, funny throughout it because yeah. of that. But, like, it's a, a really beautiful movie. For the first, like, 30 minutes, no one speaks it's just really? sweeping shots of what I assume is Mongolia, to be honest, okay. and 
battles. There's like a very small bit of like dialogue here and there. Yeah. But like for the most part, it's just uh, soundscapes and beautiful shots for such a long time. And then okay. it's such a great movie. I, I love Conan the Barbarian wow. and I will defend it with my life. Really? Yes. And I was going to try and drop a quote in there about Crom, but I don't know it well enough. Yeah, also it would not resonate with me having not seen it. If anyone out there loves Conan the Barbarian, let us know. (laughs) Uh, It's brilliant and you should love it. Okay. Uh, But yeah, so originally Cthulhu was in Conan the Barbarian. That's wild. Fucking so good. I'd love it so much more if Cthulhu was in it. The movie is just like him running around hitting shit with swords, right? Like to be reductive. Like, I'm trying to think how something like Cthulhu would even enter into that. There's a gross misunderstanding of how great <laughs> Conan no, the Barbarian is. I'm just trying to get, like... It's got fucking Arnie <laughs> in it. It's got... I'm not, I'm not worried about that. I'm just trying to think, like, how the story elements would fit together if Cthulhu were to be included. Opening <laughs> scene. Yep. The, the landscape of Mongolia sweeps by. Are you reading Horses the ride on the plane. At the head of a warband sits a large, long-haired man with a snake helmet. Uh-huh. Conan and his father... Scene. Conan and his father sit, a young Conan, with their, looking to the sky as a storm <laughs> rages behind them. His father explains to him the power of steel and how Crom, Everything the light God touches of the mountains, will be yours. A little bit, because it is James Earl Jones in that movie. <laughs> Great. I know that's Jeremy Irons. Jeremy Irons is Scar. Is Mufasa James Earl Jones? I think so. Yeah. I was trying to think of his name. James Earl Jones is in Conan. It's amazing. Wow. He plays the bad guy, and it's so good. Wow. But no, it's, it's genuinely an amazing movie. Okay. And it is a little bit of him running around killing things with swords, but it's about... But can you realistically a, see it being a, a Cthulhu thing? Well, the, James Earl Jones' warband is a snake cult called the Cult of Set. Yeah. So, right. like, a little yeah. bit. I, that And that's just occurred to me at that point. So, yeah. yeah. And at one point, he turns into a snake. I don't want to give spoilers away for a 1970s movie, but... I think 70s, maybe I think we're past the point where you can... I think yeah. the moratorium's passed yeah. on that one, yeah. But yeah, mad, man. It's yeah. so good. But and now I'm... Even now I'm seeing that actually Cthulhu did kind of sort of make it in there. Yeah. So good, honestly. Not that I've read the original books, and I think they're probably kind of different, but yeah. I'm running with this. Okay. Okay, so <laughs> let's get on to the main event. Wait, what? We're going to talk a little bit about Cthulhu himself. We've been recording for an hour. No. Yeah. That's all right. A lot of it's going to get cut. Okay. All right, so... Cthulhu is actually pronounced Kulu, but, but I refuse to pronounce it like that because while that's accurate, that's annoying. But also, isn't it like in the story because like it's not something that we can reasonably pronounce with our tongues? Well, according to Lovecraft, this is merely the closest human yeah, vocal apparatus can come to reproducing the syllables of an alien language. Yeah, correct. Uh, he first appeared in the novel The Call of Cthulhu. I'm right. running with Cthulhu because it's the it's, accepted pronunciation. Well, it's point. also like you're reading you're reading it how it's spelled. Yeah. Yeah. Which is how all language works, as we know. Yes. Yeah. Um, no. So, it, it, in Call of Cthulhu came out in 928. Okay. Um, Cthulhu is considered to be a great old one, which is an ancient entity described as a cosmic horror. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they once ruled the earth only to fall into a death-like sleep long ago, which um, actually informs... Just quite a, a wicked bad hangover. Yeah. I mean, we've all been there. I mean, this yeah. morning was pretty tough. Uh, yeah. Not because I was hangover. Just I'm just so sleepy. Mm-hmm. Sleepy boy. Um <laughs> So it gives rise to two quotes that are really prominent in the H.P. Lovecraft sort of uh, the Cthulhu mythos. Mm-hmm. One of which is in um, Call of Cthulhu, and it's in the language 
of the cultists. So okay. I'm, I'm probably not even going to give that a try because no, it's insane. I'm looking difficult. at it. There's a lot of weird apostrophes. There is a lot of weird apostrophes. Letters that don't make sense next to each other. Um, but the, the culmination of it is in his house at, uh, I want to say, Rilieh, mm-hmm. dead Cthulhu waits dreaming. But the, also the famous quote, that is not dead, which can eternal lie. And with strange eons, even death may die. Yeah, and that's right. that's the whole thing about the, the fact that the ancient beings ruled Earth and then basically went into a dormant slumber. A big old nap. Yeah, 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 absolutely. You know, once you've had a big old feast, yeah. a little sleep. Yeah. Once you've had a couple of big six-point IPAs. Christmas dinner. Oh, man. Sleepy boys. I'm going to make some stew. Yeah. I'm so excited. Um, okay, so although they were worshipped by... Um, usually deranged and inhuman cults these beings are generally imprisoned or restricted in their ability to react with interact with most people Mm -hmm. um so some of them are imprisoned beneath the sea inside the earth in other dimensions etc etc yeah um and usually in the stories that's until the protagonist is unwittingly exposed to them right and that's usually like the key they've been manipulated into drawing you know bringing them forth Mm -hmm. and the majority of these uh ancient great old ones um, have physical forms that the human mind is incapable of processing. Right. And simply viewing them renders the viewer incurably insane. Right. So it's a, it's a really kind of like cool part of the mythos is yeah. that they then can't be described because the person who witnessed it, and they're all written first person, yeah. then loses their mind. Right. Very cool. Um, so Cthulhu is also known as the master of Rilia and the great dreamer. Mm-hmm. And he's described as a massive human hybrid of octopus, dragon, human. Wow. And um, he is usually depicted as being hundreds of meters tall with webbed arms, uh, tentacles, and a pair of sort of rudimentary wings on his back. So, the, so as in can't actually fly, but they're there. I mean, I'm not going to tell him that. <laughs> no, um, that's fair. But I mean, like the, the, the illustrations of him are all pretty consistent with that, actually. Yeah. I think, I think they're pretty cool. He's a pretty, pretty, pretty cool looking monster. And, mm. and the idea that he's hundreds of meters tall as well. I yeah. think one of the best... Uh, uh, illustrations of him and sort of depictions of him must be South Park. They did a really good job with him in that. Okay. If you've ever seen it, no. it's quite quite good. Um, so he he is uh, he's definitely a malevolent entity mm-hmm. um, hibernating within Rilieh, uh, which is an underwater city in the South Pacific, um, and he's apparently the source of constant anxiety for mankind at a subconscious level. Wow! So those of you who suffer from any kind of anxiety disorder, you have the ancient great old one Cthulhu to thank. Okay. <laughs> I didn't want to make it sound like I was trivializing that. Yeah. I was just trying to bring some levity to it. Yeah. Yeah. It's meant to be a comedy podcast and we've not had any laughs for a well, while. You keep bringing in spooky stuff. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Um, we've discussed the fact that a spooky is when you get an erection for no reason, right? No. <laughs> <laughs> so <it's, laughs> that's what it's called. Uh, growing up. Is it? Yeah. When By you, who? Uh, it's, it's, another, it's, it's another podcast I listened to. They started calling one of the guys was like, "Oh yeah, it's called a spooky." When you, especially no, when isn't. you're like a teenager no, and isn't. you just get an erection for no reason, I've it's called a heard, spooky. I've never heard that before. Neither had I before then. No. <laughs> and then they'd just be like, they just insert spooky into things. All now the time. I don't want to use the word spooky ever spooky, again. Spooky. It's a great name for it. It's like, oh, I've got a spooky. Yeah. <laughs> so good. I've been possessed by the boner ghost. Oh, yeah. See, there we yeah. go. Now you're running with it. Yeah. Now you're spooky in like the best of them. Oh, yuck. Yep. Okay. So Move I'm going to keep bringing in spooky things if that's how it makes you feel, mate. Yeah. Um, so ah, Cthulhu is worshipped <laughs> by a number of human religions located in Greensla- Greenland, Louisiana, 
the Chinese mountains, which I guess they mean there is only one set of, but there's heaps. Yeah. And da, 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 da. New Zealand? Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> of course, New Zealand. What do you mean, of course? I've been to Auckland. I'm not sure what you mean by that. Well, why don't I describe what deep ones are and then you can make your own decision. Yeah, tell me about those spooky deep ones. So they're also worshipped by Lovecraftian months. They're called Deep Ones and Migo. And I don't think Migo is related to the rap group Migos. No, Migos is just more than one Migo. It's three of them, but, in fact. The three Amigos. The three Migos. Was that a reference to the the, uh, <laughs> the movie, Three Amigos? No, but oh, I wish a, it was. It's a great movie as well. <laughs> no, um, I don't... But do you think that maybe Migos is... Maybe, maybe, maybe they, they worship love, Cthulhu? Yeah, maybe they love Lovecraft stuff. Fair enough. I don't know. Bad and bougie, but like really bad. Yeah. Like ancient evil bad. Super bougie. Yeah, probably. Mm. Uh, but yeah, Deep Ones are uh, humanoid fish creatures, uh, which feature heavily in the book Shadow of Rinsmith, which I is a really important part of the Cthulhu mythos. Okay. Um, um, so the short story, uh, The Call of Cthulhu, asserts that while currently trapped, Cthulhu will eventually return okay and i've prepared a short well is that the short story that's a fair bit that's that is not a fair bit that's two paragraphs you need to learn how long a paragraph actually is it's it's four paragraphs fine yeah um but i i I prepared two excerpts from it and i thought um i'd read one of them out in the same way i did about the story about um the ghost ship okay um I'm more than ready for this. Okay. I'm not because there's usually some pronunciations. And also he writes very flowery language, so it could go fucked up for me. Okay. So I'm going to read it. The aperture was black with a darkened almost material. That tenebrous was indeed a positive quality for it obscured such parts of the inner walls as ought to have been revealed, but actually burst forth like smoke from its aeon long imprisonment visibly darkening the sun as it slunk away into the shrunken and gibbous sky on flapping membranous wings. The odour arising from the newly opened depths was intolerable, and at length the quick-eared Hawkins thought he heard a nasty, slopping sound down there. Everyone listened, and everyone was listening still, when it lumbered slobberingly into sight and gropingly squeezed its gelatinous green immensity through the black doorway, into the tainted outside air of that poison city of madness. Poor Johansson's handwriting almost gave out when he thought of this. Of the six men who never reached the ship, he thinks two perished of pure fright in that accursed incident. The thing that cannot be described, there is no language for such abysms of shrieking and immemorial lunacy, such eldritch contradictions of all matter, force, and cosmic order. A mountain walked or stumbled. God, what wonder that across the earth a great architect went mad and poor Wilcox raved with a fever in that telepathic instant. The thing of the idols, the green, sickly spawn of the stars, had awakened to claim his own. The stars were right again, and what an age-old cult had failed to do by design, a band of innocent sailors had done by accident. After vigintillions of years, great Cthulhu was loose again and ravening for delight. And that's from the book. <laughs> so loud. Yeah, I, I clipped even in my headphones. Yeah, yeah, that's some, uh, some spooky stuff. 
Well, I'm erect. I don't yeah. know if you are. Wow. Uh, yeah, good though, eh? Yeah, it's it's very flowery it, and well, it, you know verbose language, but certainly evocative. Um, yeah, like I felt uncomfortable through parts of that. Well, yeah, it's uncomfortable to read out loud for the record because mm. it's a pain in the ass. But well, yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's certainly very. It paints a word picture. It does. I was going to say it's ve- it's very it, it, descriptive and mm. it's very sort of um, involving language. Yeah, you, you send a shut shut out. It's very good. Yeah, it's really good about like written horror. It's quite interesting. Yeah. Yeah, mm. I always find movie horror to be a little bit disappointing because yeah. I think your imagination's more powerful. Yeah, no, it certainly is. And that's why like, I tend towards things like psychological thrillers where you don't mm. necessarily see the like manifestation of the evil or the creature, but it's like the feeling that it gives you yeah. is yeah. almost more than enough. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So cool. But um, yeah, that was that was Lovecraft and Cthulhu, just yeah. a little basic primer on them. Um I got a little thing here about on the Wikipedia article of Lovecraftian horror mm-hmm. about things that it subgenres of horror fiction that emphasizes cosmic horror um, and what it has influenced. Uh, that must be a huge page. It is a huge page. So um, it covers literature and art, comics, film and television in the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s and 2010s, mm-hmm. games, including role playing and video and other media. Yeah, okay. And I'd like to throw a, throw a quick call back to a previous episode and mention Eternal Darkness, excuse me, Eternal Darkness, Sanity's Requiem, okay. which I mentioned as an old GameCube game, which was heavily inspired by Lovecraft. Sure. Great game. Mm-hmm. But yeah, seriously, it is, look it up. It is a fantastic list of things worth reading and worth watching and mm. very, very long. Um, really pretty cool. Um, and if we look at some of the more recent stuff, Annihilation, um, which oh, is a 2018 yeah. movie. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, good. That, that was a good film. Well, it's um, continue contains similarities with the color out of space. Okay. Um, Sleepy Hollow, uh, Gore Verbinski's A Cure for Wellness, uh, The Void, um, going into games, Dungeons and Dragons, of course. Uh, the Call of Cthulhu board game. Yep. Um, Video games, Bloodborne, Call of Cthulhu, Call of Cthulhu, Dark Corners of the Earth, Amnesia, The Dark Descent, Terraria, um, Pathological, uh, Illuminati, World of Warcraft, Binding of Isaac, Hellgate London, honestly, it just goes on and on, League of Legends, Hearthstone, it's it's so cool, and very recently, um, The Sinking City, and I believe... The other one was might have been Sunless Sea. There was certainly another game that came out this year, mm. which is a, an incredibly, obviously Lovecraftian horror. But Sun- Sinker City just came out, and I'm very excited to look at it. Yeah. Apparently, a bit of a shiter, but very enjoyable at the same time. So okay. I'm kind of intrigued by that. Mm. But yeah, also Discworld. Um, wow. Okay. Uh, apparently got quite a bit in there as well. Mm. And uh, Junichi Ito's uh, Uzumaki. So um, uh, Junji, sorry, Junji Ito is a um, anime writer. Okay. Um, who does uh, manga writer? Sorry, who mm. does very creepy um, psychological and physical body horror manga, and it's Ooh. pretty fascinating. Okay. I've read a couple of the stories, yeah. and I'm just like they're creepy as fuck. Yeah. So if you're interested in that, Junji Ito definitely worth a look. Okay. Um, but that's that's Lovecraft. Yeah. Cool. Uh, exciting stuff. Would you be sort of looking? Do you think to? Um, I feel like reading? it's one of those things because it is, you know, it, it, it stands as like, yes, while he was a very problematic individual, mm. like it is still there as like this piece of classic fiction and it's inspired this whole universe. Like, I feel like at some point I should at least read some of the like core parts of what he wrote, or at least just to, to get an idea almost. of like where it came from. Because I've been exposed to 
things that have drawn from it mm. throughout you know the years I've been on this earth. You can barely avoid it. No, um, but I've never actually gone back and sort of checked the source um, in a manner of speaking. Yeah, it, it's cool. I'd recommend reading to Madagascar and Poe as well. That's mm-hmm. that's creepy in a completely different way because it's um a little older. Right. There was less of a. Uh, there's to my knowledge, at least, there's no real sort of um, cosmic elements to Poe's work. A lot sure. of it is more around. There's some religious sort of elements and, yeah. and it's human okay. horror, yeah. which I think is equally fascinating, but his mm. is creepy as fuck mm. as well. It's dead good. Mm. Um, I don't want to sound like I'm playing up to my sort of weird goth thing here, but <laughs> Edgar Allan Poe is very insane. Okay. Um, but yeah, definitely, definitely go check some out. I've got yeah. some, a lot of it's um, also um, open license now. Like public domain. Yeah. yeah. So you can just download them. I downloaded them on my ebook and I've just got a load of uh, yeah, well, I H.P. Think, Lovecraft I think, for plane flight. I think it's called What's... like Project Gutenberg or something. Yes. It's a website you can just go and download old stuff that's gone into the public domain. Yep. Um, great, great website. Yeah. Um, yeah, actually, if you do have an e-reader and you want to download some pro- uh, some um, uh, public domain stuff, Project mm. Gutenberg's a really good place to pick up classics, to pick up yeah. um, stuff that's just gone out of print now and stuff like that. Yeah. It's now yeah, sort of copyright ended on it. Really cool. Mm. Um, yeah, so that's that's it, really. That's that's cool. Lovecraft. Um, that's um, that's the story. That's the story. Yeah. Well, the the story behind the story. Yeah, this feels like VH1 behind the music. Yeah. but Less so. <laughs> but with more beer, I'm probably not. Probably actually. about the same amount yeah. of beer. Um, nice. Yeah. So cool. Um, so it's over to you next week. I'm pretty excited uh, for whatever it is you decide to bring because yeah. I've seen your beer collection. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Recently bought a whole bunch of stuff, and honestly, like eighty percent of it was stuff that I thought I could build an episode around. So I've I've stockpiled for yeah. the winter, as it were. Um, I've been stockpiling for winter, but it's mostly things to drink. Yeah, I mean, what do you think I do in the winter? I don't want to go outside. I'm going to stay inside and drink. Very good point. Well mm. made. Yeah, fair um, enough. Yeah. All right, cool. Well, I think I've got a little bit of this beer left to go, and we mm. do have another one. We could look at having a little sip of that. Maybe. Um, we'll do that. Um, probably worth mentioning social media stuff before we bounce out. Absolutely. I was just going to say, I was yeah, just trying to think right. like how we normally end this. Um, so, yeah, uh, hit us up on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. Um, username is Hebrew Podcast mm-hmm. across all three. So, basically, whichever one you prefer. Go and go and hit the old follow button. Yeah, and you can hear us on Stitcher, Apple Pods. Yeah, and like uh, I, I, I can't remember all the things that we show up on now, so I would just say go to heybrew.zone. You'll uh, find there, it all there. There's a subscribe page there with links out to all the various providers and things like that. Um, hello at heybrew.zone. Is yeah, the email address. That was going to be my next part. Is yeah. hello at heybrew.zone. If you want to send us anything, you yeah. have questions, you have. Uh, uh, corrections to my pronunciation of anything that I've said <laughs> today or over the last seven episodes. Yeah, please send voice clips of correct pronunciations. Uh, yeah, I really want you to start with, uh, actually. Um, <laughs> so that that's what I assume. I think you'll find. Yeah. <laughs> uh, not all men. Oh, no, don't do that. Not all cosmic horrors. Um, <laughs> no. Uh, but yeah, so if you have anything you want to send to us, if you want to just say, hey, you guys should check out this beer, this brewery, or you should mm-hmm. do this subject, it would pair well with this beer. We'd mm-hmm. love to hear that because it saves us from having to be inspired. Yeah, and um, saves us having to do the work of like, oh, yeah, I could make that work. Yeah, absolutely, which, you know, is yeah. even better. Um, and then... Uh, I think I, the only other thing is, you know, standard sort of podcast thing of please review us on iTunes if you like what we're about. Um, cause yeah, it, do you know, I hadn't it, even thought of that. Well, because it like, as much as it annoys me, like iTunes and their podcast network stuff is still like the main way that podcasts succeed. Yeah, so genuinely, if you are listening, that would be of a massive boon to us mm. if you could just go on iTunes and say, hey, I like this because of this and give us a rating. If you don't like it, please don't. I don't even think you need to write anything to give a rating. 
I can't remember. But I mean, both would be nice. Oh yeah, sure. Yeah. I'd love to know what people think. Yeah. <laughs> people, Please feed our egos. People usually yell at me in the street about it, but it's, uh, that's weird. No, but it's usually about when the end is coming, and oh. apparently soon. It's nigh. Yeah, is what I've heard. Nigh. Bill, not no, doesn't no, work. The end is Bill Nye. Oh, if that's how it ends, not with a bang, but with a Bill, bill Nye. But with a Bill. With a Bill. <laughs> mm. All right. Well, I think that's it from me. That's uh, it this has me. been Haybrew. I've been Elliot. And I've been Mike. Cheers. I also haven't actually got an episode for us to do. It's fine. Yeah. Smash that like and subscribe button. So, no, maybe I just... No, I will actually. <laughs>